everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 99. I am Michael Citro, founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. Joining me, as always, uh, one of our illustrious writers, David Rowe. Dave, how are you doing this week? I'm sitting here utter, utterly amazed that we are at number 99. 99, yep. Uh, that's where we're at. And um, I have to admit, I'm uh, I'm getting a little bit frustrated, Dave. Uh, of course I'm frustrated with the, with the lack of results for Orlando City, but I'm really frustrated with the vocal... Um, percentage of the fan base who immediately thought that signing Dom Dwyer, Yoshi, Yotun, and uh, Dylan Powers was going to immediately fix every problem within one game. Um, I've I've just seen so many tweets and comments about, we suck, we're terrible, blah, blah, blah. It's so negative, and all I can say is, the window just closed. The team addressed whatever needs it could address, basically all of the needs that it, it its primary needs that it had, and those have not yet had a chance to settle in and and take effect. What is this is like when your engine breaks down and your car won't start and you go buy the parts, but you haven't put them in yet and you're going to sit there and moan that your car won't start. Wait, are you saying that adding new parts to the team? It will take time for things to work. You have to install those parts, Dave. You can't just buy them and leave them in the uh, the Pep Boys bag. You have to actually put them in the car. Uh, and that's what we haven't had a chance to do yet. Uh, I will say this uh, before we get into our, our, uh, our recap of Orlando City at New York Red Bulls, which is going to be um, <laughs> short something. It's going to be something. I'll just say that. Uh, I will say that uh, I was very, I was a little surprised that Yoshi uh, was in the lineup to start. Um, I thought he might come off the bench, but I was very pleasantly surprised at what an just innate passing sense he has. He he really was uh, surprisingly good uh, right off the bat in, in terms of uh, you know knowing where to put the ball, how much weight to put on it, and all of that. I, I thought that he. Uh, didn't look like a player in his first game in in many ways. In some ways he did, uh, but in a lot of ways he did not look like a first-time player. Uh, That was about as good of a first performance for a guy who has not been here for that long as you could ever hope to expect. Um, It it was one of the, uh, in my five takeaways, it was one of the takeaways was, hey, how good Yoshi was. Yeah, he's he's uh, he was good. I was surprised. Uh, Not surprised that he's good. We knew he was a quality player. Surprised that uh, after... Uh, just a few training sessions and probably not even knowing everybody's name on the team yet. He was able to come in and, and, uh, and play a very strong game. Uh, exactly. And um, so why don't we just dive right into this recap? First of all, Dave, we found out uh, early on in the day Saturday that uh, Dom Dwyer was not in New Jersey for the game because he had uh, nasal surgery uh, from a, a, a hit that he took in the uh, Atlanta game. Uh, you may remember not a lot of fouls called on Atlanta in the game, uh, but yet he was hit hard enough to warrant uh, surgery. Yeah, I was wondering about that myself. Uh, that was a little confusing when that came out that uh, he wasn't going to make uh, the game in New York because he was having surgery on a nose. Um, I, I, I 
because I did not remember a foul being called on uh, anything in relation to uh, Dom getting hit in the face, but evidently it happened. <laughs> so uh, Dom had to get a little surgery, had to miss the game, uh, supposed to be back uh, for the Columbus game. We'll see. Um, I'm told that he is um, not fully integrated in 11 v 11 training yet, but uh, that is expected. So um, hopefully we'll have Dom back. So we didn't have Dom going in. Obviously we weren't going to have Jonathan Spector going to a place to play a team that had won four of its last five games and has been one of the hottest teams in the league since about the time that Orlando's tailspin started. You knew it wasn't going to be easy. You knew it wasn't going to be um, a likely victory. Now, could they go into Red Bull Arena and win? Sure. Anything can happen when you drop the ball and everybody starts playing. Uh, but you knew it was going to be probably two-thirds percentage-wise uh, that the home team was going to get the win. Uh, Orlando actually came out and got the early lead. I was very surprised to see, and, and pleasantly surprised to see, a little bit different tactics. Um, Orlando decided to press. Orlando mm-hmm. decided to to put a lot of pressure on the ball, and not just constant pressure, but like in waves, they would they would switch on and switch off and uh, sort of confuse uh, New York a bit. Uh, they were able to get forward. Um, Carlos Rivas opened the scoring uh, with just an absolute laser cannon uh, shot, and uh, just moments after he uh, tried to chip uh, Luis Robles and, and missed the net. They didn't miss it like into the upper deck though, like he normally does. Uh, so to, to Carlos's credit, uh, every striker is going to miss the net sometimes, but, uh, you know, Carlos made good just a, a minute after his miss. So that was good to see. So Carlos gets his fifth goal of the year and, uh, the lions are on top and it looks pretty good. Uh, and it had some chances to double that lead. And of course, when you have chances to double the lead and you don't do it, bad things tend to happen. Especially uh, if you're away. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the the Red Bulls uh, get a, a ball into the area. An unfortunate bounce off of Leo Pereira made it 1-1. And uh, we went to the half with a 1-1 game, and the Red Bulls, the home team, not even having a shot on goal. Uh, so that, it looked like, okay, things are, are going pretty good. Then in the second half, the, uh, the Red Bulls made a little bit of an adjustment, and they turned up the heat on their... Uh, pressure and Orlando City didn't recognize it and they t- still tried to play out of the back and that was something mm-hmm. that Jason Christ lamented uh, after the game and people will say well why didn't Jason tell them to uh, to change and uh, you know and change their tactics and then hit the ball over the pressure but uh, the thing is this is what they work on all the time so he shouldn't have to stop in game and say hey guys they're right. pressuring you. I mean, these are professional soccer players. They know what they're supposed to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, in in a place like Red Bull Arena, it doesn't matter how much he yells. If you're more than 20 yards away from the guy, you're not going to hear him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's on the players to kind of recognize when to play out of the back and when not to. They didn't do a good job of that. They really had some uh, trouble getting the ball uh, up the field. And... You know, the Red Bulls were able to turn that around, and Bradley Wright Phillips gets a goal and uh, nearly scored an amazing bicycle kick goal. But it was 2-1. It was uh, it was that point that I thought that Orlando had a really nice response, Dave. They had some chances mm-hmm. to score. Uh, they were they seemed the more likely team to score for a good 10-minute spa- uh, span. And uh, then just kind of out of nothing, uh, um, you know, you got that uh, shot from hell that... Uh, <laughs> You know that uh, Davis uh, put in to make it three-one late, and uh, and then sunk uh, 
sunk the fate of uh, the Orlando City uh, club, and it was not what we wanted to see. It was it was what I expected in terms of of uh, scoreline, and it was yeah, you called it, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of what I expected, but not kind of in the manner uh, that we saw. I don't think you can look at that performance uh, and say that they played the same. Uh, the result was the same. In fact, it was a little worse. But you can't really look at that and say that was the same team you saw against Montreal. The team I saw against the Red Bulls was a, a much more lively team, had more jump in the legs. They, you know, There was a lot of desire there. The work rate was really good. A lot of the things we didn't see against Montreal. In Montreal, the, mm-hmm. the legs looked heavy. They didn't really uh, at times look all that uh, like they were working all that hard, that kind of thing. So I, I thought that the performance was good. Obviously, the result wasn't good, and, and you know when you when you have these uh, games where you you know you you I mean, no Torino missed by inches. You had Yotun hit the crossbar. Uh, when you do that, and the other team scores a Golazzo, I mean that's part of the game, right? I mean that's just oh, the yeah. way that gets the way the cookie crumbles, as they say. Well, and it's uh, so like you said, uh, the game of inches. Uh, I. Liked that they, like you said, they had more energy. They were on the front foot, um, and and you can see if you watch the game, if you don't just look at the scoreline, if you if you watched the game, yes, you were frustrated because of how it went out and how the goals happened and things like that. But um, it wasn't because they didn't have chances, and it wasn't because they weren't creating chances. Which that's the big thing for me is that they were actually creating chances, and that's been something that's been missing. Um, I don't know how much. Yoshi had to do with that. Um, obviously, you know, we mentioned earlier that he played really well, especially, you know, first time out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's good on Carlos for trying to chip a ball. It's it's not his strong suit, but, uh, you know, he like I said, he made up for it with the uh, absolute screamer, you know, a minute later. Um, but, you know, the, the main thing for me is that it was just that um, they – the effort was there, the desire was there, uh, the result wasn't, but that's, you know, on, on a day like that, sometimes that's going to happen. Um, you know, we were without Spectre, we were without Dom, you know, we had two guys who had just gotten with the team, you know, uh, between, you know, Powers and Yoshi. So there's there were a lot of things, and we were away, so there's a ton of things going against us to go out and have, and I, I, I know people are going to, you know, put me up against the wall for this one, that good of a showing. Um, but I, you know, like I said, this is one of those things where don't look at the scoreline, go watch the game, how they played. And you'll, you will see the things that we've been asking for over the last several weeks. And if they can take that and carry that forward, especially, you know, coming back home, then that's, that's better than not. Yeah. I mean, we're all frustrated by the results. We're all frustrated. Losing sucks. It's, it's not something we want to see. We want to see wins. We want to see uh, results. And, and we know that time is running out on this season. Uh, and so that, that makes it even more frustrating. And, and we want them even faster. The reality is the MLS transfer window is late enough in the year to where it is difficult to really incorporate those changes and, and really affect the trajectory of the team quickly. By the time that the everybody's in place and everybody's got some chemistry built in some cases you've had guys in their preseason so they weren't really fully match fit i didn't really think yoshi was fully match fit but he went to 90 and you know it's 
by the time you do that, there's, what, seven games left maybe. So this team really has to get it together quickly and gel quickly if they're going to make something of this season. I don't know if it's realistic to expect it. You can want it. You can desire it. But I don't. I think at this point we've we've seen two wins since since you know April. Yeah. You you can't be surprised that the team if the team doesn't make the playoffs and you can't just you know throw all your toys out of the out of the baby carriage. You've got to put it into <laughs> some perspective. It's it's you know this has been happening all summer. It's been the long slow death of a thousand paper cuts kind of thing, and um, you know there's an opportunity here with some new players to maybe salvage uh, something out of it. But does anybody think if this team does go on a little bit of a run that they're going to go deep into the playoffs against the likes of New York City and Toronto? Um, if you are, you might be fooling yourself a little bit. But, uh, you know, of course, anything can happen. Uh, but usually it doesn't. Usually the cream rises to the top. So yeah. I, I just want everybody to, to just take a step back from the ledge and look at the big picture and say, at the end of April, things looked great. But we've now seen bad things happening for three and a half months. Um, for that to just suddenly evaporate in in one game isn't going to happen. So uh, I would say, uh, for me, uh, it's there was a great 442 article today by Paul Tenorio, and um, this was, I was going to save some of this for one of our readers uh, that wrote in, but you know Paul hit the nail right on the head. This team was built for another philosophy and another coach. It takes more than one or two transfer windows to completely change over the, you know, what you what you need to what you need if you have a different mindset and a different philosophy. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing Nikki Budalic, we're seeing Jason Kreiss try to Im- impact the team in these windows with their vision. And I mean like look at any soccer team around the league, around the world usually don't have a lot of transfers in. Usually you can get three guys. That's probably a pretty good window. Yeah. It's not easy. you got to go out and you make deals, and some deals fall through, and then you have to go to a backup plan and this and that. Uh, there's there's 100 different variables. So, you know, it's hard to urge patience in late August or, or mid-August. Um but really, there's only two ways this is going to go. This team's either going to continue to limp across the line and, and it's not going to make the playoffs, or it, it may put a few wins together, sneak into the, one of those last few playoff spots, and then probably go out in the first round. So that's the likelihood when you're just looking at percentages. That's not what people want to hear. People want to, you know, they want to, um, they want the fairy tale, you know, they want the, the bad news bears or whatever. So, um, I'm just trying to prepare everybody. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm frustrated with the the expectations that you know we brought in these players. They're all suddenly going to magically make the team better instantly. That's n- number one. It's not the case. Number two, Dom didn't even play. So there's one of your players you're counting on. He didn't even play in the game, and uh, you know to do it at the Red Bulls against one of the best teams in the conference on the road is probably not the place that it was going to happen anyway. So um, you know. When I predicted 3-1 for Red Bulls, I thought, you know, that I made it pretty clear that's what I was thinking. Now, if everybody else was thinking 3-1 the other way, then, of course, they're going to be disappointed. (laughs) Um, I try to be a little bit realistic. Now, um, 
it, it, it would be great if the team gets in the playoffs. I don't expect a lot from this year, but I do see sort of what Paul Tenorio was saying in terms of the team is starting to position itself. It spent a ton of money. It brought in some players. It looks like we see what might happen this offseason, and that was one of our questions from one of our readers. I'll talk about that in the mailbag. And, um, you know, the team, and Nikki Budalich said they're trying to position the team for the future. And, you know, going into this uh, into this bo- in, into this uh, transfer window, he said, you know, the moves that they're going to make is with an eye toward the future. He, mm-hmm. he also said don't expect big moves. Now, they made big moves, and they also may be eyeing the future. So it may be a, a case of both. So um, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, Dave, let me get your man of the match for Orlando City at the New York Red Bulls. I think if you told me before the season started that – the Lions are going to split their two games with the Red Bulls. I think I'd probably take that. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's unfortunate that it's coming off the you know at the the end of a horrible summer, so it, it doesn't feel good. But right. uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, man of the match uh, for me is uh, who I mentioned in five takeaways. It's got to be uh, Yoshi Otun. He uh, just to do what he did um, with the limited amount of time and uh, and to do it as well as he did, for me, that uh, it, it was – maybe it was just it was the most – because he was so new, it was the most, you know, blatant thing going on in the field for me. The I, I had more, oh, wow, and oh, wow, that's good moments or whatever. But, um, yeah, for, for me, it's him. I mean, heck, he was – inches away from, you know, opening his account. So, uh, uh, for me, it's him. And I, my, my only hope is that that was not an anomaly and that it was just a, uh, harbinger of things to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was probably going uh, well on the way to giving Carlos Rivas, my man of the match, uh, by halftime. Uh, but in the second half, you know, the way that New York was playing, they choked off the service and he was not able to, to fully, um, you know, impact the match in the second half, like he did in the first. And I, He's a player that the Red Bulls have struggled with uh, when he's been on the pitch, and, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's his speed is is can be lethal. Um, Yotun early in the game, it was the second minute I think, chipped the ball over the top to him. He he got down the left side, put in a cross that was just a little bit behind Kyle. Could have been the uh, the first goal right off the bat, um, but I, I thought Rivas was very active and he worked hard. I thought Kaká really worked hard in that game. I thought you saw. Uh, yep. more jump in his legs than we've seen in, in, in weeks. And, and I thought that he showed a real desire to win. I mean, people say, well, he's, you know, just coasting. He's not, he's old. He's not really trying or whatever. I, I saw a Kaka that really wanted to win that game. And, um, uh, but I, yeah, in the end, I will give it to Yotun because I think under the circumstances, he, he put in a, a really good performance when there was really no right to expect one. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that was promising, and we'll, so we'll, give, we'll, we'll be unanimous and give it to Yoshimar. Uh, so I mentioned Kaká. Obviously, he was the biggest talking point from the game, <laughs> because uh, yeah, he got sent off for uh, for rubbing uh, Aurelian Collins' face. Um, I have I get where people are coming from that say oh, Kaká was stupid. He shouldn't have done that. It was he should know better. Blah blah blah. You know, I don't think that any human being would have thought, I'm going to get sent off for this. If he no. even entertained the thought of getting sent off for it, he wouldn't have done it. No. Um, it he was incredulous. Aurelian Colin was incredulous. Uh, I was incredulous. I was uh, incredulous. Everybody else, everybody other than, than Pro was incredulous. Oh, when I when they went to the video review, I said, oh my God, they're probably going to send him off. 
And and it was not it was kind of half joking, but also kind of not because we've seen this kind of idiocy from this organization so many times, Dave. Mm-hmm. And it almost always is very one-sided. And you know, I know people around the league think that that Orlando City fans whine about the officiating, but I guarantee you they these are people that follow teams that they've seen their team be on the plus side and the minus side almost in equal measure through the years of these types of decisions. We've not seen nearly enough of the plus. Mm-mm. We've seen tons and tons of the minus. So, um, you know, the, the, the sending off was stupid. It was an obvious, it was not an attempt to injure. It wasn't violent. It, there was nothing wrong with it, really. I mean, this is the same basic thing that um, earlier in the year, Antonio Nocherino uh, fouled Matt Polster and got a yellow card for it, and he apologized. Then as he apologized, he touched Matt Polster's head on both sides. He, you know, he's Italian. Right. Spe- we speak with our hands, us Italians. He got fined. He didn't get a suspension in the midweek for that. He got a fine for it. And, I'm going to take a... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I just was going to say that why now is Kaká going to get a red card and get a suspension for the Columbus game uh, for, you know, doing something that was really no no worse, no more violent, no more, um, in, you know, inciting anything. If anything, he was trying to diffuse a tense situation with some levity, and it, it, in a large way it worked. The, you know, everybody seemed to kind of relax after that. It, and that is exactly what I was just about to say, is, is his entire point was of that, in, that whole thing was, there's my good friend, Aurelian Cullen, and I'm going to get his attention, and, the, and since he's facing away from it, the way I'm going to do is I'm going to grab him and be like, hey, and the only way I can definitely do it. And and you can see, I mean, if you go back and you watch it, Colin looks upset. As soon as he turns around, he starts laughing. Yeah. Kaka's laughing. Aurelian's laughing. And everybody else around them, I mean, it was a, like everybody went, ah, okay, visibly, because... Visibly defused yes. the situation. Absolutely. So it was the exact opposite of what they should give the red card. It was actually actively taking the situation down a notch it's mm-hmm. it, it the i understand the whole the letter of the law the letter of the rule whatever and that's what pro did there but uh you know it's it's there's got to be there has to be some sort of common sense brought in and actually somebody uh on our board posted uh where the the rules actually do um, have somewhere in there where it says if it's if it's you know if it's obviously not a malicious type thing then it, there is no foul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't you can't really expect them to to apply rules when they you know they allow handballs in the box to go uncalled and <laughs> and, and not and for for Orlando to not get penalties out of those. And um, for our coach to step on the field uh, yeah. with our team and and you know get penalized, but not for another team when he's coaching there and yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think you could find too many people out there that that aren't members of the professional referees organization that would say, yeah, he should have been sent off. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Basically, I've been reading a lot of uh, like Bobby Warshaw and a lot of people are saying, yeah, they made technically the correct decision. But obviously that wasn't what the what the rule was put in place for was not in, you know, was not on display in that that moment. So 
you, you just you hold people have common sense. People, the people I say that are are out there saying, yeah, yeah, he he definitely violated the rule and he he should be punished. He deserved that red card. These are the same people who would complain if they got a ticket if they were going, you know, 66 miles an hour in a 65. You're breaking the law, buddy. Right. But it's maybe not the spirit of the law, right? Right. You know. Um, anyway, I think we've we've I, I could just. Oh, we could we could go on. I could gripe about this for time. hours, oh, yeah. yeah. But but in the end, um, Orlando City decides not to challenge the the red card. Uh, probably, a lot of times they reach out to various uh, people and get a feel for whether or not uh, they have a good chance of winning those types of things. And if they don't feel like they have a good chance of winning, which it has to be unanimous to be overturned, uh, if they don't feel like they can get that then it makes no sense to challenge it because, I mean, you can say, you well, you get so many challenges. Yeah. You get two failed challenges. Now, Orlando city had a successful challenge on the Rafa Ramos card earlier in the season. Uh, but you know, there's still 10 games to go. If you know, there's, there's ample opportunity to need to have those challenges, uh, the rest of the way. So, especially because um, pro is going to pro and, they, and occasionally we get uncled. Yeah. So I don't blame them because here's the thing. If you, if you appeal and it's found to be a frivolous appeal, they will double the suspension and uh, fine the team. And also they can take away your right to appeal the next year. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot that goes into this. There's a lot to risk. So you have to be really 100% sure that you're going to win this thing or, or pretty close to 100% sure before you do this. And if they're not feeling that way, uh, then they, they absolutely did the right thing. Uh, and I'm sure they reached out and said, you know, what do you think are the chances of us getting this overturned? And uh, because the video review system is so new and, uh, you know, because Orlando obviously uh, had a red overturned earlier in the year, uh, it's it's not favorable uh, in terms of, of mood. You know, the, the pro referee uh, organization representative is not going to be likely to give us another one. Number one. And number two, the league is not going to necessarily think it's a good idea to to call video review into question so quickly. So they didn't have much chance to win this thing. So they did the next best thing they could and said, look, we're going to take our suspension. But basically, I'm paraphrasing, this is complete garbage is what their statement basically said. It's like, we don't think Akkad did anything violent. We don't think he did anything wrong. And we're going to not, uh, we're going to take this punishment to avoid any further unjustified Mm -hmm. consequences. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Which says right there, this is BS, and we don't want any more BS. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, kudos to the team for doing it, because from a, if you don't if you're not, you know, a public relations practitioner, you have no idea how uh, strong that statement was. But that was a very strong statement to basically come out and say we got screwed and we're only doing this so that we don't get further screwed. Yeah, exactly. And that, like you said, if, if you read into that the way that it was intended to be, it's almost a stronger statement than challenging. There was even a little dig in there about the scheduling. In fact, I think um, yeah, there was, a, there was a little, um, you know, a little backhanded uh, backdoor thing saying, you know, after a month uh, we'll finally be back at home. That was a little dig at the league too for scheduling. I, I almost mm-hmm. guarantee you that. That was that was definitely a behind the scenes, um, you know, sort of a, a PR move to say we're gonna we're gonna air some grievances here and and you know it may not have been. 
um, one of those uh, headline catching uh, things uh, where, you know, like like Mike Petke's tirade uh, a few weeks ago was. But it was uh, it was definitely noticed by the right people. Let's put it that way. It was, it was done in the in the in the very old uh, ways of like the Senate, not the current Senate, but back when the Senate would be like, well, the distinguished gentleman from South Carolina is full <laughs> of crap and I'm going to, you know. Uh, but I'm going to say it really nicely. Uh, it, it was very. It reminded me very much of that, and I loved it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was well done, and I, I applaud the team for the response that they had. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it. I know a lot of people are frustrated. They would have liked to have seen that overturned. It was. It had zero chance of getting overturned. Yeah. Zero chance. Um, once Jorge Gonzalez made that decision, it, it was Kaká was screwed for this Columbus game, and so he's going to miss the game. Um, the good news I, is we have Yoshi. <laughs> Yeah, Yoshimar's uh, Dom Dwyer should be back. Yoshimar is going to be, uh, you know, ready to go and and have another week of training under his belt. Dylan Powers will have a full week under his belt. He actually dressed for the New York game, but uh, he had only trained one time with the club, and that was like a half-speed uh, travel day uh, training session. So it wasn't really a full uh, 11v11 uh, full-on training session. So, um you know, we may see Dylan Powers get his first start for Orlando City uh, in place of Kaká uh, on uh, Saturday night at Orlando City Stadium. We'll talk more about that game a little bit later. Dave, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Orlando Pride. Oh, I like talking about the Orlando Pride right now. The Orlando Pride, Dave, I think we talked earlier in the year. I believe it may have been us. It may have been some complete other strangers, but I'm pretty sure it was us that talked about how the schedule... Uh, sat up nicely for the Pride with in terms of having some home games later in the year, mm-hmm. having a chance to get uh, Morgan back and get mm-hmm. her gelling with Marta. Mm-hmm. And I think we might be seeing that with uh, a pair of back-to-back wins. We talked about the, <laughs> the Tuesday night. Uh, yep, even your dog's excited about it. He is. He is happy about it. Yeah, so um, yeah. So we, we talked about the, the win over the Spirit and uh, they come back with a uh, they they went into uh, Saturday night tied with Sky Blue uh, for fifth place in the NWSL and waxed them five nil. Uh, we've got uh, two more uh, goals for Alex, two for Marta. We had a goal from Danny Weatherholt, her first professional goal. We almost had Maddie Evans scoring a penalty kick goal in her last game. Oh, <laughs> that was the worst. The that was the worst. <laughs> I know. Uh, but we had a 5 nothing win. Uh, the NWSL decided that uh, Sam Mewis would be the uh, player of the week. I guess uh, <laughs> three-goal, two-assist performance by Alex and a uh, three-goal, one-assist performance by Marta. Uh, not as good as that two-goal performance by, uh, by, by Mewis. Uh, so a little bit of, um, you know, we'll take the wins rather than the than the, than the you know, we, we often get that save of the week after a loss. So let's, right. take, let's take the actual wins and let the uh, player of the week go somewhere else. Uh, but the Pride has won two in a row. They've moved ahead of the Seattle Reign into the playoff uh, position, uh, fourth in the league. Now, of course, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, but again, the schedule down the stretch looks much better for the Pride than the first half of the season. And um, they're going to get some opportunities. And if Marta and Camilla... And Alex Morgan keep playing the way that they're playing, and they keep getting performances like they got from other people like Jasmine Spencer and Danny Weatherholt. Um, if they keep getting this type of thing, and they just got Ashlyn Harris back, and she yeah. puts up a clean sheet. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it, the team is rolling right now. Uh, they've outscored their last two opponents 8 nothing. So, uh, things look good for the Pride, Dave. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, it... 
dominating was that performance, just straight out domination. Uh, and, and you didn't necessarily expect it because, okay, they, they go up, um, in the fourth minute, um, you know, Marta sends that long ball to Alex and she makes a nice move to the left, puts it in. Uh, and then we don't score again until, you know, the 43rd minute, um, where, where, you know, Danny got her first goal, uh, which I want to make mention of. There was two, um, uh, two things that set up goals. So on that one that Danny got Camilla just made a ridiculous move down near the uh, end line at, at the edge of the box to get around and get that cross in. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was beautiful. And then at the same uh, the same uh, well four minutes later, Marta just completely you know boggles the mind of of, of two defenders to get away from the sideline to then uh, get the pass to Jasmine who puts it uh, up for Alex for the goal. I mean, it, it, some of the performances were just. Absolutely unbelievable. Alex looked absolutely on point. Like, I mean, just hungry. Uh, obviously, you know, Marta then comes through with the last, you know, couple. And it, the passing was crisp. The the players were excited. The the uh, there was not there was not a bad performance. When you go back and look at it, you can't you can't there was there was nothing there. It was straight across the board. Everybody played great. And like you said, two games row now eight. Eight to zero uh, goal scored in the last two games, and there's no reason to expect that not to continue because we've talked about this. Like you said, there's going to be a time where the schedule lines up. Alex and Marta have had time to start, uh, you know, getting used to each other, playing together, and then you know you you throw into that Jasmine and Camilla and everybody else, and it's, I mean, it's just it's coming together. I mean, uh, I I wish. I wish I could. I, I wish I didn't have to say it this way, but the best product on the field in Orlando is right now is the Pride. Yep, and the Pride had a, a, a lengthy uh, weather delay on Saturday night, and it was st- and still had the best attendance in the league. Um, still wasn't a great attendance. I mean, they're they're you know when you're under six or seven thousand uh, in the building for this quality of play, uh, you're not you're not really doing uh, service to these ladies and uh, and. Here's this. It's the perfect segue, really, uh, to talk about Maddie Evans, who, uh, yeah. who she played her last game for the Pride on Saturday. Um, there was a penalty called, and uh, they let her. Actually, they looked like they forced her to take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> didn't look like she was very comfortable, uh, but she still put in a decent effort. She did. I, thought, I mean, I, I thought you know she should have just blasted it right down the middle and just hoped that the goalkeeper moves because. 99% of the time the goalkeeper moves, but she decided to go for the corner and actually hit it pretty decent. Uh, but the goalkeeper guessed the right way and, and was able to keep it out. But, uh, Maddie Evans, uh, taking a job at, in her home state of Pennsylvania, she was making, she said $16,000 a year, uh, which is not, it's well below the poverty level. Yeah. Uh, you cannot, uh, imagine trying to make, uh, make do with, with that and being a professional athlete and all the things that are, that are, you know, expected of you. And, 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 you know, these women have to do things like run private lessons and, um, youth camps and things like that. Uh, and, and really, really try to hustle, uh, to make up for, for the low salary. And, um, it's, it's a shame, but if we don't go to games and watch them on television, that's the reality for this league is, is that, you know, that the minimum wage, you know, the minimum salary can be 15000 a year. Now, kudos to the league, because that's double of what it was last year. But right. it's not enough. And and the only thing that's going to drive 
uh, those salaries up to where these women can compete. And by the way, Marta makes less money than the MLS minimum. So, you know, one of right. the best one of the best women's players that's ever played, she makes less money than uh, Mason Stajahar, who hasn't uh, played a single game for Orlando <laughs> City. So uh, think about that for a minute. Right. Uh, that's obviously it's not fair. Um, but the way that we fix that is we demand the product. And that means going to the games, watching it on TV and driving those ratings up because that gets the um, that gets the notice of the television people and the advertisers. And that's where the money comes into the sport. And that's what gets these ladies paid. Well, and, and for the, you know, if we have any listeners who are not watching the pride, um, uh, my biggest wish is why one, like we've said, the, the product on the field is fantastic Two, uh, I would think most of them probably watch the U S women's national team. So I would assume that they already like women's soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you've got Orlando, um, you have Orlando pride for Orlando pride. So, you know, um, put the eyeballs on it. Um, they are fantastic fun to watch. I was bemoaning that in my head that I was, because I was writing the five takeaways for the, the MLS squad, I had to pay more attention to, to that than I would have been able to pay attention to the pride game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they had ended up starting at the same time, like they were supposed to, um, because, you know, fortunately they didn't, I, and I got to, you know, watch the pride, but it, it, it's, um, it, it, there's, there's absolutely, if you, like soccer, there is no reason to not be supporting the squad by if you were in the area, go to the games. Yeah, there's only like a, I mean, you know, people say, well, there doesn't have as much speed, doesn't have as much power, but the game is played a lot more fundamentally. Um, you, you're not going to see, you're only going to see about 10% to 5 to 10% of the diving in women's soccer that you see in the men's game. Um, oh, yeah. They, they play hard. Uh, this team, the Pride, uh, a third of this team uh, is is basically World Cup players uh, from mm-hmm. Brazil, Australia, and the United States. So yeah. uh, they're some of the best players in the world, and uh, they definitely deserve your attention. Uh, you know, if you think you don't like women's soccer, um, I think you're Give wrong. Give it a I shot. Think I think you're wrong. I think you would uh, enjoy it quite a bit. I, I think it's very, very enjoyable. In fact, um, the cool thing now is if this team can get on a run, get into the playoffs – the championship game is being played right here in Orlando this year. If they could have a home field for the championship game, that would be huge. And, and I think we yeah. would set a record. I think then people would get behind them and come to the game. But uh, I'd like to see them, you know, don't be the bandwagon fan. Get on that train now before it really gets rolling. And and I've talked to a uh, person in town here who uh, coaches um, youth soccer. And she, uh, she played some... Um, uh, high school soccer and she is a like you know we were talking about orlando city we we're talking about pride we we're talking about ocb she's a pride fan yeah she roots for for orlando city but she is a pride fan and um you know when we were talking i was like yeah i gotta watch kind of gotta watch all three games she's like oh well i'll be watching pride i'm like okay cool <laughs> um you know that's awesome as a matter of fact i talked to her again today and she was she was even telling me she's like i'm still blown away by that five nothing so the passion is out there i mean there's there are people who are loving this you know she lives all the way up here in Tallahassee. she's not going to be able to make the games but i am sure there have to be people down in Orlando that want to go watch this and like i mentioned earlier the on the field product right now is as good as it is anybody in that league and it wouldn't you know we're above the line right now and it if 
it does what we think of this. It would not surprise me at all if they are playing in that stadium for that championship. Well, they got to keep it going this week. They got to go on the road to the Boston Breakers, which the Breakers have. You know, every team in this league has talent. It's a it's a very um, uh, there's a, a lot of parity in this league. Uh, so even the bottom teams can sneak up on you sometimes, but it's the, the schedule set up nicely. If they can go up to Boston, get a result, um, then they're in really good shape uh, coming down the stretch. And I think that uh, this team could make the playoffs and could make some noise in those playoffs. It's uh, it's it's certainly worth uh, checking out and um, it's less expensive than the MLS game. So, um, you know, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's 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 a lot of fun, and they're playing some great soccer. So, uh, go see the Orlando Pride. There you go, um, Dave. Orlando City B was also in action, and uh, the Young Lions went to Richmond this weekend and uh, and the triple game night. And they decided they were not going to come home without all the points. They uh, got a one nil win. A an early goal by Haji Berry stood up for the entire game, and another clean sheet for Earl Edwards Jr. And uh, the Young Lions are now unbeaten in eight. I know some people wanted to say that that draw streak was a winless streak because they had drawn six games in a row. But now they've got a win on both sides of that six-game draw streak. And so it's a solid eight-game unbeaten streak uh, for the Young Lions. And they're home as, as this one, as this podcast drops on Wednesday the 16th. They play tonight against the Ottawa Fury at Orlando City Stadium. So for anybody that um, is complaining about a uh, um, an unbeaten streak, not a winning streak, um, answer me this. Would you be okay if Orlando City uh, MLS squad had eight results in a row? I would. I would. Like, I would. I would like to have one right now. Right. So <laughs> my point my point being is. Don't don't throw out a double standard, okay? I mean, everybody would be thrilled if if uh, the, the the you know the big lines had you know you know that many draws in a row, you know. Uh, well, no, they'd be complaining about it, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, for them to do that uh, with all the ups and downs that come with the the um, players on the field, and then um, to to come out and finally put it all together and get that uh, that win against Richmond, I think that's fantastic. You know, we we've said all along that we think uh, Ant is doing a good job there. We think there's a lot of, of talent that is being developed, which is what we want. And now the the on the field results are are coming. Um, does that mean I think they're going to you know go on and win the USL? No, I don't think that. But uh, that doesn't matter. I mean, they're playing good soccer right now, and it's something that we can be happy about. And uh, especially because you know what we're supposed to be doing when we're watching this is, you know, what are these guys doing that they're then going to be able to move up to the MLS squad with, you know, having uh, Haji get that goal. That's awesome. Having, you know, uh, those results that, that, that idea of, of, you know, not, not losing. And it's, it's strange, but it's still, that's, that's a positive. Yeah. I, I'm glad to see this is happening. And, and, you know, uh, some people, there's still some people that are kind of holdovers from the old USL days from Orlando City that that don't feel like this team is worth their time because um, they're not getting, you know, they're not they're not up at the top of the table and that kind of thing. But you know, I, the way I look at it's like this: is my Major League Baseball team. I want their AAA team to get results because their players are developing and be, becoming good players, and whether they win or lose is kind of incidental. 
mm-hmm. you know, as long as those players are getting better. And, and I think that's the way it is here with Orlando City. Orlando City, you want the, the OCB guys to be getting better and to be, you know, it's good when they get results and it's good that, you know, that this is a team that's right on the cusp of playoff positioning. But the the most important thing is these guys look like they're coming along. Another assist for Pierre De Silva on the weekend. Haji Berry scoring goals, which is nice. Um, you know, he's still very, very raw. He still has a very heavy yeah. first touch. He lost a lot of chances to score goals in this, this past weekend. Although he made the USL uh, team of the week uh, bench this week. So good for Haji. But, um, you know, he... Uh, he had a couple opportunities to put that game away for good, uh, or he just uh, took a heavy touch and lost it out of bounds for a goal kick a few times. But uh, uh, it, it's good to see Pierre doing well. Um, you know, we've seen uh, the young players like Zach Ellis Hayden uh, doing well at fullback. This week we got to see Rafael Ramos return for a rehab stint. He played the first 45 minutes at right uh, back for uh, or for Orlando City B. And... Um, uh, Kevin Alston played as well, so uh, nice to see those guys getting healthy. Uh, and uh, it was it was good uh, to go on the road, get a result. Zach Carroll got sent off, so they got a result despite being down a man. Um, and, well, and uh, I don't want to brush over Earl Edwards Jr. I mean, oh uh, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, anytime you if you've got you know a bunch of draws and including some zero zeros, there's a good chance the keeper was involved in making that happen. Yeah, he's uh, he's done very well this year in terms of keeping clean sheets, and it's nice to see. Uh, Earl's getting all that work, and um, you know we've we've got some uh, some real prospects there. I mean we've seen Richie Larea come up. I mean he had a shot on goal on Saturday for the uh, for the MLS team uh, mm-hmm. after coming on very late. Um, he looks like he's a guy that has has no desire to go back to the USL anytime soon. <laughs> uh, he he's really done well this year for for getting not only making himself uh, a, get into the 18, but to get on the field. Uh, you know, fairly regularly of late uh, in, in mm-hmm. you know, late in games. So when the team needs a spark or they need some creativity, uh, they've been able to, to turn to him for some of that. So uh, it, that's good to see. Pierre De Silva is probably a guy who we're going to start to see a little more of too. And, um, you know, that's just another feather in the cap of Ant Pulis for, uh, for developing these guys and helping them get to that level. And, and then, you know, there's, there's more uh, guys left to come and, and left to, 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 uh, to develop and, and you know. wait a minute are you saying he's doing his job i would say he's doing his job yes that, that would be my opinion yes he's doing his job but uh, <laughs> don't take I've my word it. for it don't take my word for it we've got we've got a guest that's going to uh, talk a little bit about that and uh you know he can he can attest to what aunt pulis is doing uh at ocb and why don't we get to our uh, special guest uh let's do that right after this All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're very happy to have with us uh, Orlando City B midfielder Austin Martz. Austin, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So, first of all, I wanted to congratulate you on, uh, on you've had a lot of near misses this year, and you finally were able to get on the scoreboard uh, at Cincinnati. And uh, just wanted to start off by asking you, you know, was that a big uh, load off your shoulders? Yeah, I mean, you know, all season you go through stretches where you're up and you're down as a player, and the older, the more experience you get, you kind of learn to just keep playing and the team all together. And I couldn't be happier that it happened uh, away for a game that we had needed at least a point, and to do it in front of a crowd that big uh, is a pretty special feeling, uh, no matter who you're playing against. So that was pretty good um, for it to happen there, and I'm just glad we got a result. 
out of that match. Well, then the uh, you know game against Richmond, you know you had that nice uh, run down the side that, that cross in uh, for a goal to to get off of the non-losing board and and get a victory for OCB. Uh, tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, again, uh, it just shows that uh, we're keeping this unbeaten streak going, and uh, which has been awesome. Uh, I think the guys are working really hard and defending really well, and that's been a huge priority for us. And so to come out of there uh, in not the prettiest game that we've played all season and still get three points uh, and to be able to contribute for all 90 minutes was huge and uh, super satisfied with that. So we're definitely taking that momentum into the game tomorrow night. Now, Austin, what's it like for you as a player when you guys are, are putting together a string of good performances and you just end up with draw after draw and you're not able to quite get over the hump. A couple of those were zero, zero draws. And, uh, and, you know, one of them was, uh, you guys scored late and another one, uh, the, the opponents scored late. What was that like for you as a, as a player? Is it a bit of a roller coaster? Yeah, uh, it's exactly a roller coaster because you can look at it from two different angles. You could, you know, write the title of the article being that we're unbeaten in six games, while at the same time you could write and say we haven't won in six games. And so as a player, you're looking at that thinking that it's not the worst thing that can be happening to you, but three or four of those games could have gone our way. And we only get a point out of that. Obviously, you know, we're chasing the stands a bit now. Uh, but then again, that's what you're here for as a player and we know it'll be a tight race to the finish but that's the kind of thrill that we want and that's why we love the game uh now, of course, uh, with you guys uh, being um, on, on B-Squad, um, obviously you have changes to the lineup that happened. Uh, how much do you think that affects uh, affected some of those results? I think towards the beginning it affects it a bit more because you're not used to seeing those guys and they come down and, you know, obviously there's frustrations that there's not minutes being gained on the first team. But at the same time, a lot of those guys come down and they want to fight because they want to get back uh, on the field with the first team. And so as the season goes on, you kind of start forming a bond and, and building camaraderie with those guys. And I think that's why recently we have been conceding less goals and we have been getting results and maybe weren't falling for us at the beginning. Um, and I think it's because we finally found a tight-knit group that isn't just the core of the guys, but uh, the same few guys are coming down to play with us and we really enjoyed having them. So that's been huge for us. Austin, when you guys had a couple of those nil-nil uh, draws in a row, uh, you were you were getting some scoring chances in those games. How did how did Anthony Pulis kind of keep you guys, you know, keep your heads up and keep you guys digging and and uh, and on the right track? Well, I think a lot of it is the way that you communicate to your players, and I think he does a really good job of telling us that we need to stay positive, and he does a really uh, great job encouraging us when we're not scoring. He believes in the process as much as we do. He believes that if we continue to play the right way, that the points will fall when they need to. And so I think we're starting to see glimpses of that now. Uh, it's one thing to, to talk positively and encouragement, but when you speak to players negatively, it can affect us on the field. And obviously then we start talking to each other about our performances, and then it can go south really quickly. So uh, he's done a great job just reminding us that we continue to play well, we continue to keep the ball well, and uh, as soon as the, the chances fall for us, then we'll start winning more games. 
Well, you mentioned uh, you know your own progress uh, as as you you know as you advance in your career and you learn things. Um, what uh, has Ant uh, provided for you, or or indeed any of the uh, you know the guys you've been playing with? What is it that you think this season has has been teaching you? Uh, I think it's been just teaching me consistency and, and to stay even keeled. I think earlier in my career, and especially in college, you know, when the results aren't falling or you're not uh, particularly putting up stats, you can get in your own head and start thinking that you're not playing well. Uh, but this season has really taught me that there's value in the steady eddie, as they say. And, and so I feel this season, Ant's done a really good job, and he's obviously – uh, trusted me on the field, and I put together a good amount of minutes. And, um, I think him showing his confidence in me has given me uh, kind of a value of having reliability. And you know what you're going to get from me every game. And I think that's something that uh, was a bit more of a high and a low for me earlier in my career. And so I've been really pleased this year to continue to put together consistent performances. Uh, you know, maybe not 10, but nothing's been a 5 or a 4 either. And so that's been really pleasing to see. In my development. Now, you guys have uh, your last two wins came on the road at, at Rochester and at Richmond. How do you put that that whole game performance together at home and get those three points at home where they're so valuable? Uh, I think it's having the same edge and the same chip on our shoulder. When we go away, you're obviously going into someone else's stadium, someone else's field, and so there's uh, almost like an extra competitive desire to want to knock them off on their own field. And I think we need to look at it uh, in the same light now, having seen that we've only actually had one win at home, uh, and kind of realize that this is our home to defend, and we don't want to give up points. Uh, and we especially want to take all three. So just having that same competitive tenacity and uh, just believing what we do on the road to down at home, I think um, just having that belief and having that mindset will shift the way that we, we play and uh, obviously hopefully get us the result. Well, speaking of that uh, home field, um, you know, what are your impressions of uh, of the new stadium and, and what it's like to, to play there? Oh, it's incredible. You know, my first experience was in Malta uh, and they only have three fields total in the country. <laughs> and Two of them are really tiny turf fields. The other one is a grass field that gets super dried up because of how hot it is over there. And then after that, you go to Wilmington, and obviously Wilmington was facing some business and financial challenges, and um, it was a tough market. And all credit to them uh, for doing as well as they did with the marketing and the team there. But you play on a football, a high school football field uh, for that season, and then you come to Orlando for this brand-new pitch arguably the best field in the MLS um, and definitely one of the top fields in the USL if not the best. And so uh, the surface has been fantastic for us. Obviously that's what you dream of as a player uh, when, especially when the sun's going down and, and the field starts to get wet and maintain the dew on top of it. There's nothing better than that. Now you mentioned, uh, you know, playing in Orlando, obviously, we're not seeing the crowds we'd like to see. You know, there's there's three teams in town. It's kind of tough for everybody to 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 spend money to see all three teams. I think they're gonna the club's gonna take care of that next year by letting uh, Orlando City season ticket holders come to OCB games. Um, but you also saw the other side of that when uh, with FC Cincinnati being the only the only game in town 
what was it like to play in front of a USL record crowd for the regular season? And, and did that have any effect on, on you uh, as a player individually or, or on the team as a whole? Uh, I think it always has an effect, and I don't think it's necessarily positive or negative. I just think you get extra excited when instead of playing in front of a few hundred fans or a thousand or two thousand, you're now playing in front of twenty five thousand. And obviously, you hear about these crowds with you know Madrid and Manchester, and they're sold out at seventy five and eighty thousand, and that's a ton of people, especially if you've been to one of those stadiums and games. But twenty five is a lot. And when you hear that many people chanting and singing and screaming, even when it's against you, it just gets you hyped up and it gets you ready to play. And uh, obviously, when you're in, when you're a kid growing up in middle school and high school, you are dreaming of that atmosphere. And you get hyped up even when your own student section is singing chants for you, and it's only you know five or ten people because you want to score for them and you want to please them and you want to put on a show for them. So to be able to play in front of a record crowd is obviously super exciting. Um, obviously, you know, we felt like we let that one slip from us, so it would have been even better to get the three points, but it's always fun to play in front of that many people. Now, I want to go into the Wayback Machine, uh, and the reason I am is I'm, I'm originally from Baltimore area, and I know that you spent some time up there with the uh, Bohemians. And uh, so now... My real question is, I'm sure you're familiar with Natty Bo. Was Natty Bo at all a part of the uh, uh, package that, uh, that, you know, they were they were giving you? I mean, you got your uniform and, and you know, uh, cleats. and everything. Was, Did they include any Natty Bo? You know, um, I had a feeling you were going to ask that as soon as you started <laughs> going down the whole thing. And uh, – I literally remembered one experience. We were on the road, I believe, against Ocean City uh, Nor'easters might have been their name. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that that feels like a while back for me. But um, we're playing on the road, and our goalie in the 90th minute extra time comes up and scores a winner with his head uh, in stoppage time. And I'll never forget uh, unplanned the team manager actually had a case of Natty Bow and a cooler full of Natty Bow on the bus. And I think we were all pretty excited to have our hand at one of those uh, <laughs> after that result. Now, that's off the record. Of course. Uh, no, but yeah, that was, that was actually the first time I had been in life with Natty Bow. And uh, funny enough, uh, I went to school in D.C., so it was definitely around and on the shows and some of the stores there as well. Awesome. Before we let you go, uh, I just wanted to, you know, you, you've played with a lot of different teammates this year because of the, the comings and goings of the first teamers and, and you know, you were you, different combinations that Ant Pulis was, was uh, putting out there and you're, you're sort of getting more solid minutes now with uh, with Richie Larea having been with the first team so much. But, uh, you know, of, of all of the teammates that you've had this year and played with this year, who are some of the biggest surprises for you in, in terms of their abilities? Oh, man. Uh, that's tough. But, um, you know, to be honest, a lot of the young guys have impressed me, and uh, especially Pierre. Uh, obviously, we talk about Pierre a lot. He's a big uh, role model for the academy kids because of the way that he came up through the system. But to be that young and have that professional of a mindset, uh, it doesn't surprise me what he's capable of doing. Uh, and 
his talent doesn't surprise me, but his professionalism that surprises me. And to be in the locker room with four or five, maybe even six guys who are under 21 years old, to see them coming in every single day with the same attitude, putting the right things in their body, sticking after to you know work on the things that they need to develop in their game, and then also have the discipline to stay an hour later for treatment, stretching, rolling out ice baths, I think that has been extremely impressive because I know uh, that often and still often the way that my personality is, I, I want to get home right away and get on the couch and watch a TV show. <laughs> and it's not easy to stay every day and have the same routine, but um, these guys, Equa, Yomeni, Riley, Joe Gallardo, they've really impressed me with how much they want to get better and how much they want to be uh, in the professional environment at such a young age. So that's been really cool to see. Austin Martz, OCB midfielder. Uh, we're going to let you go ahead and uh, go Netflix and chill. Uh, good luck to you against Ottawa and uh, the rest of the season. And, and thanks so much for being our guest this week on the Mainland Podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And I just want to say to end it, because I told Luke that I spoke some fun at this. Uh, a lot of people think we live these, these glorious lives as professionals. And on the way over here, I was starting to sweat because... I knew that I had a podcast at 7, and I knew my fiancé was landing around 7. I got a text that just asked me to get a coconut vanilla latte ordered so that I could get there on time, and I'm thinking, how am I going to order this while I'm on the phone? And so I just want all the people listening to know that we go through the same daily difficult decisions uh, that, that they go through, and we do need normal lives. But it's been fun being on the phone and chatting with you guys, and I'm Certainly looking forward to the game tomorrow. All right. Thanks so much, Austin. Thanks. All right. Episode number 99 of the Mainland Podcast. Uh, hitting the home stretch, Dave. We're in the we're in the last quarter hour of the game uh, and, and getting in close to stoppage time. Uh, before we get out of here, definitely want to say thanks again to Austin Martz for, uh, for coming on the night before a game and, uh, you know, being a really great guest. Oh, he was fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to Austin. You just like the Natty Bow story. I do like the Natty Bow story. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was a really good story. Um, so, Dave, we got our Ask the Mainland podcast mailbag, and uh, you can uh, ask us something any any week. You could just uh, email us, and uh, we are themainland at gmail.com. Uh, or you can hit us up at Twitter. We're at themainland, and uh, use the hashtag AskTMLPC.com. Uh, stands for the Mainland Podcast. Uh, ask TMLPC. That's how you get to us. Uh, Ken had a story, uh, a question last week, but we had just wrapped up when his question came in, so I told him we would get to it this week. Which Orlando City players' contracts are up this year, and who is likely not to be here next year? Um, Dave, I'm going to start with this one, and I'm going to say that you know we don't know everyone whose contracts are expiring. I do know. There are some that are expiring. Um, I believe Giles Barnes is up after this year. I I am 99% sure Tommy Reddings is up after this year. And uh, so those are two that definitely will need to be addressed, you know, one way or the other. Um, I'm not sure what options are there for, for certain other players. I know uh, Kaka, obviously, his contract is up after this season. Um, and... Uh, you know, Kyle Laren, the club still has two one-year uh, 
options on that one. So those are the ones that I know for sure. There's other people we know are under contract. We know that Yotun's under contract. Um, we do know that uh, uh, Rafael Ramos is under contract. Chris Nagita, some of those guys are, are under contract. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to come back next year, Dave. Um, my thoughts, Ken, on this are this. <sighs> I think Kaka's only back if he really, really wants to be back and forces the issue. I think he's tight enough with uh, Alex Leitao and Flavio that if he really says, I want to come back and play, they'll make it happen. But at this point, I think it's very telling that we're in August 15th and we've heard nothing about any renewals, uh, nothing about the contracts and discussions, any of that. I think that it's going to have to be Ricky's decision. Do I want to come back here one more year or do I not? And, 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 you know, and it might be that it might just be a one year deal. Um, is he ready to retire? That's a, that's a tough thing for, for a pro athlete, especially somebody who's been uh, to the pinnacle uh, the way that Kaká has. So I would say that the team would really like to move on and use that money uh, a little more wisely and spread that out a little more. Um, so I would say for sure, uh, we don't know for sure if Ricky's coming back, but we do know for sure that or we could suspect or surmise that the team would really like to have that money freed up. That's um, a lot of money to be yeah. able to use into other pieces. And I agree with you. Um, if, if Ricky wants to come back, it may be that he comes back. It might be under a special circumstances, special contract based on, you know, production or who knows. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, he's often said that, you know, he, he, would like to go back to Brazil, play with somebody there, finish up his, you know, career there, just kind of as a swan song type thing. So that also could happen. Um, so yeah, uh, that one I don't know about, but we'll move on to the others. I would suspect that um, Giles Barnes, if his contract is up, like I think it is, that he will be not renewed. I believe that would would not happen. And, and if they did bring him back, he would certainly ask him to take a pay cut, uh, which is often an a ploy in bargaining so like we really don't want him back so let's offer him this and if he comes back great because then we save a lot of money uh but then the player gets all insulted and says no nah, I, I can't play for that um right that's too big you're talk <laughs> yeah well i mean and at this point we're talking about a a bench guy um mm -hmm. you know and so you know he's not going to get uh the big money yeah. um i would agree with you my my first thought on giles is um well you know i think he's played with passion I, I don't see him back uh, next year, uh, barring, like you said, him taking, you know, a pay cut and mm -hmm. and it being a big enough pay cut for to make sense for uh, Orlando City. Here's one that uh, people aren't going to like. I don't think Tommy's re Redding is back next year. Ooh. Uh, people are not going to like that. But here's why I think that. Number one, here's same situation. Contracts up. We're not really hearing any rumblings there. Um some people I've talked to have indicated that he might not be real happy um, sitting on the bench behind Jose Aja. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, and I get why everybody wants Tommy to play. You know, to, They don't like Jose. They want Tommy to play. But most coaches will want one center back that's good in the air if the other one's not. And I'm sorry to say this, <laughs> but Tommy and Jonathan Spector are about the same type of player. Uh, right. They're not on the same level, but they're the same type of player. Jose wins the ball in the air. I think you saw a few times, Dave, in that New York Red Bulls game, 
when we didn't have that strong aerial presence on corner kicks and free kicks mm-hmm. where it damn near cost the team a goal. Um, in fact, Joe's up for save of the week on one of those corner kicks. Um, yep. So I think you saw that's why Tommy is not in for AHA when Spectre's healthy because they're the same basic type of player. They're guys that play the ball with their feet. They're quick. They're good with their you know movement, um, technically sound but not great in the air. Tommy's got to get better in the air if he's going to ever, you know, be that guy that can play opposite a guy that's, you know, kind of the way he is now. So that's why you're seeing it and you don't have to like it, but that's just the reality. A lot of, a lot of coaches are like that. There are very few coaches who will say, yeah, I'm okay with my center backs getting beat in the air on set pieces. I, you know, they, they need somebody up there, who can tower above everybody else. I mean, that's why I think uh, Aurelian keeps getting jobs because he gets out of position a ton of times, but he wins a lot of balls in the air. Mm -hmm. Well, not only that, but, you know, Tommy is, uh, okay, if we held on to Tommy, could he be worth more money down the road? Of course he could. Um, But like you said, you know, with specs out there, um, his opportunities may be limited. Um, So it may, it may just be, and, and, this is where um, everybody has to remember. This is a business. Oh yeah, yeah. And that might be the best business decision to sell the potential of Reading now. Um, you know, when you know people are clamoring for him and whatnot, that that might be. You know, we we need other pieces and we need to pay for things. And one of the ways we might do that is to sell Tommy Reading. So I, you know, I I I'm. You know, I said, ooh, when you first said it, just because I, I know what, the, you know, like you said, what the I'm going to get hate mail. I mean, I mean people are going to hate mail for I, it's, not that I, right. it's not that I want Tommy to go. I don't. No, I just I not. just have a feeling that's what we're going to see. I have and, a feeling that and, – and Paul Tenorio even said that too. Um, yeah. He says yeah, that – Yeah, he listed you know, them in the ones that he said could go. Tommy yeah. could get moved on. Chris Nagita, Carlos Rivas. Nocherino makes a lot of money. Um, he's probably going to go. So the, these are the guys I see, and I'm sure we, and we're going to get more and way more into this later in the season and in the off season, uh, as the off season starts. But um, because probably what you're going to see is that black, the the Black Friday, uh, oh, yeah. the, the the day before the Black Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. That tends to be when the team makes its cuts. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I, I see some guys that are going to be on the move because this this group this um technical group wants to continue to try to remake the team in the image that they need and you know if you're going to complain about jason christ let the guy get his players in first and then if he doesn't get it done then you know then you can get your little hashtags out and have your little twitter party (laughs) because i'm not going to take part in that until i see what the guy can do because what happens is if you get your way and christ is fired then what happens? Uh, if they, starts what, over. What happens? If they bring in an, another guy with a with maybe Adrian Heath's philosophy or something similar to that. Then all of the stuff we've done in the last year has to get undone again. So yep. it, it's a it's a cycle. You know, people are impatient because they see what Atlanta did. Atlanta got some really good fortune along the way to get some of the players they got. And if you read the news, you already hear rumblings. People are interested in out in uh, Almiron. People are interested in Joseph Martinez. Sooner or later, those contract offers will be high enough and they'll be gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at this point, I'd say um, 
and at kmad12 i hope that i didn't uh, answer that i answered your question and not in too long-winded way but i definitely see uh from my perspective, I think Kaka should be gone. Uh, no Chirino probably gone. Giles yep. Barnes probably gone. I th- yep. I don't want Tommy gone, but I think he will be. And then I think either Christian and Carlos or just Christian will be gone as well. And I think that they'll bring in some new players. Now, again, like I just said earlier, usually a, a transfer window, you only get three, four guys in. So it may be that not all of those guys go, but that that's my group i think and also you can't discount the fact that they could be shopping kyle Aaron for uh for some kind of a five million dollar move overseas exactly and that's that's the big thing is is the reason that you know people wondered about oh gosh is kyle gonna go during the summer no kyle's (laughs) not going to summer of course Nate wasn't going summer. they wouldn't get enough money for him there's advantages to keeping him until the winter and that was a that was a non-starter uh as far as reading the conversation would be different if we didn't have specter but we have specter and yeah. Spectre has been playing well. So if you didn't have Spectre and then you have Redding who you can develop and into that type of Spectre player, you know, then that's different. But mm-hmm. we have Spectre. He's playing well. There's no reason to think they won't continue to play well. And so, like you said, I'm, you know, as much as I would like to keep Redding, it's, uh, and it's, I think it's, it's, good, it's a good piece to be able to get rid of. And I think the team wants to keep Redding. I just don't think that it's fair to Tommy if he wants to start, if you can't guarantee him that, I think you have to, you have to be the kind of organization that people want to come play for because they know that you have their best interests at heart. So if they move Tommy because Tommy wants to play now and not wait two or three years behind Spectre to get that playing time, that's a, that is a, that's a net positive because you're doing that for the player that gets around to the agents and the players. They see that they say, okay, this is an organization that takes care of you, even if you're not in their plans. So it it is a good move from that perspective. Plus the fact that Tommy's going to probably bring in something decent because he's, he's, he's a a piece that's that a lot of people would like to have. And I think that um, you can't underestimate the fact that, you know, like Paul Tenorio wrote on four, four, two, how much allocation money, some of those, some of those uh, guys would bring in and enabled the team to basically start over again and do the whole thing like they did this summer once again. And you know, you gotta have, you gotta have money to do what we did (laughs) this summer and we're not out of money, but we're out of money. Yeah. Uh, So there you go. Um, I think we've, wow, we spent a lot of time on that one question. Yeah, we flogged that one. Okay. But you know what? We made them wait a week, so that's okay. Um, (laughs) uh, Mark Johnson writes, uh, Dave, how many games does Everton take in the mercy side this year? One or two? Um, well, the, the Liverpool of me says none, you dummy, but, uh, the, uh, the, the brain, uh, says they, they get one, um, just because I'm, I'm not stupid. And, and as Michael and I try to do when we're on this podcast, we try to be realistic about things and, you know, come at it from a realistic perspective. So I'm going to, I'm going to say they get one with the hope that they get to. And, and the reason that this question was asked of me is now I'm actually going to throw Mark under the bus here a little bit because, uh, he only recently became an Everton fan. And when I say recently, I mean in the last month, whereas I've been a Liverpool fan for over 40 years. Well, Dave, that's part of the problem is it's your fault because friends don't let friends become Everton fans. And trust me, we had long talks about it, and yet it still happened. It had something to do with an uncle or something like that. I don't remember. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, a Ted. It, yeah, it, yeah, not yeah. It, actually, I did get uncled. Yeah. Um, 
So regardless, it will make it because uh, Mark lives up here in Tallahassee with me, and he and you know he and I watch a lot of the Orlando City games together. So uh, and we are very, 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 very good friends. Um, it will make those uh, Merseyside derbies uh, more interesting, but uh, I I hate to do it, but I'm going to give them one. All right, yeah, I think they'll probably split, but um, I, I don't care. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm in Everton versus Liverpool. I root for the Meteor. Uh, that's what, that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. But, uh, anyway, uh, no, actually, I mean, I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen to Rooney. He, he, he gave me lots of years of, of enjoyment at Manchester United. So, um, but I, I can't root for Everton and I can't root for Liverpool. Mark, I, also, I understand uh, Mark also asks, uh, what does Orlando city need to do to not give up heartbreaking late goals, Dave? Ugh. Um, well, um, I, I think they're moving towards that. It's um, it, it's it's not, and it's not just the uh, the late minute goals. It's that first 15 minutes of the first, of the second half uh, that's hurting them also. But um, it's a um, it's an awareness of what's going on after the changes are made, and then late in game, it's just uh, it's gut. Um, everybody's tired, legs are tired, brains are tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, I don't want to throw Jason under the bus, but, you know, maybe substituting three minutes earlier than he did uh, might help. Um, there's but, you know, it really just comes down to the the players picking their heads up and, and being aware of what's on what's going on around them. I'd say it takes a uh, multi-goal lead. Uh, don't don't <laughs> that, leave that, that does help <laughs> don't leave yourself with squeaky bum time where one strike of the ball can hurt you you know get get a couple of goals i mean this team hasn't done that all year get no. a two or three goal lead going in the last 15 minutes and they'll be fine That's they'll be relaxed point. they'll be poised everything will be good and then it really only take it it's going to take a one win maybe two in a row to them to really get back to where they were mentally early in the year and, yeah. and and it it's just one of those things. It just snowballs. I mean, there's it, it, they've lost so many different ways in this in this last couple of months that there's just uh, I mean they've scored late goals too. I mean look at going up to Seattle. They scored a late goal to tie that one. They they scored a late goal against Montreal at home. Um, you know late goals are just part of Orlando City DNA. Oh, so um, yeah. you know that's that's gonna keep happening. But to to not give up one late, get a couple yep. of goal lead. That's that's my my advice that's a much better plan <laughs> acm on twitter dave uh, at x star crunch would like to know what happens after you die uh, <laughs> wow we're getting into real deep stuff here um yeah, well we don't just talk uh no, we don't you're right okay so uh for me um uh i am agnostic atheist uh, in other words i don't know uh necessarily what happens but i don't believe that there's anything past here so for me what happens after you die is you either get put in a box on the ground decompose you donate your body to science and and live on in the uh you know medical field or the uh csi field um or uh you know somebody plants you under a tree and 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 you help the environment grow so that's that's what i've got to offer well, I could go a lot of different ways with my answer here, ACM. Um, I could go metaphysical. What happens after you die? Well, if you didn't lead a very good life, you go somewhere and you have to listen to a lot of Nickelback. Um, that would be if you were a really bad person. Uh, you would you would definitely not uh, not do that. If you were a really good person, you'd get to listen to Rush, I guess, and probably maybe some Triumph and some uh, Iron Maiden and some good stuff. Um, some Zeppelin. Uh, and... 
I could go a different way. I guess, what, what happens after you die? Well, speaking from a personal perspective, what happens after I die? I write the recap. That's what I do after I die. <laughs> yeah, that is what after you die, yeah. Right after the damn game ends <laughs> and the team kills me yet again, I write the recap. That's what I do after I die. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, nobody's come back and, and told me what happens afterwards, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, I could just say that uh, uh, Jon Snow got to pet a dragon. Jon Snow did get to pet a dragon. Not only that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, not all of us get to go out in the cool knife-to-the-heart uh, fashion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for uh, for the question. Um Sean Davis, I'm imagining this is not the Sean Davis that scored the corker uh, <laughs> against Orlando City the other night, but I can't, I can't, we can't say for sure. Uh, wants to know, uh, do you think the refs call themselves pro because they couldn't think of an acronym for amateur? Oh God, that's awesome. That uh, and of course I watched uh, the original Iron Man the other night and Bravo, Sean. That was a good one. Actually, that was a good one. <laughs> but I watched the original Iron Man the other night and uh, of course Phil Coulson goes, you know, I'm from the strategic homeland, blah 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 blah. And they're like, you really should shorten that. Um, so yeah, I think it. I think it is because they couldn't figure out a way to uh, to to figure out something for amateur. Although I think if uh, I think I may have to do an article on that now. Absolutely. Uh, our last question comes from Chris Prezak on Twitter. Wants to know what moves do you see us making in the offseason, current roster movements, and based position-based targets for upgrades. Uh, and we kind of touched on this a little bit with our first one, uh, Dave. But I think that um, what do I see this happening in the offseason is is basically uh, to summarize maybe what we talked about earlier. I'm going to say the team will get younger. The team will sell and get some money. Uh, yep. Some players will get sold or, or just uh, just you know cut to, to save salary. I think the team will make some uh, cost cutting moves, and then they will apply that money uh, toward players like what we've seen them bringing in a Yoshimar Yotun. That's the kind of guy I think is is really cut. I mean, you're seeing it all over the league. These South American, Central American, uh, you know, young players that are just entering their prime, guys like Almarone. Uh, guys like, uh, you know, that are still at the top of their game, Ladero, guys like that. I think there's still some room to find some guys overseas. Uh, you've seen this club go over and get a guy like Scott Sutter. Uh, yep. I mean, th- I, I have really liked everything that Nicky Budalich has done, uh, you know, all the business that he's done. Even, the, even when they've missed, like on Luis Gill, that was a good risk to take. Yeah. And and it, and it was a, a logical risk to take. It didn't work, but they, you know not every player works. I really like what Nicky Budalich has done uh, with Jason Christ. Those two have teamed up to, to make some really smart moves. Uh, even the players that didn't work out that were rumored seemed like really good ideas. Uh, you know, we talked about Sertich in the in the preseason, right. and that seemed like a good move. But when it fell through, they went and got Spectre, and, uh, and then they <laughs> also ended up being great. Yeah, <laughs> and they also brought in Sutter out of nowhere. Uh, nobody saw that coming. So I think you're going to see these guys who, you know, unless you watch a ton of international soccer, you're not really going to know much about them. Uh, you know, I've seen Peru play, and I still had to look up Yoshi Yotun. I've right. seen them play a number of times. Um, 
but despite, you know, despite what everybody thinks, you and I have real jobs that we do. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is not this is not what we do for our jobs, yeah. and so you know we're we're in the dark on a lot of this too. Yeah. So, um, but I, I agree with you. You know what what Nikki and Jason have done is they they obviously have a clear vision for what they're wanting to do, and the majority of the moves have been very very positive as we've seen throughout this uh, season, and um, Yoshi being just the the most recent example, mm-hmm. um, and I. I you know, I can't wait to, you know, for Powers to have a, you know, more of a chance to show us what, you know, he can do. So, um, I, I, I agree. I think we're going to see, it, it'll be a lot of, who's that? Who, who's that guy? What? Mm-hmm. But as long as it's, as long as it's pieces fitting into the puzzle, um, I'm going to be good. You know, big and splashy is, is, is okay. And, and Dom is a special big and splashy case. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's um, I, I'm I'm I feel good about the direction they're going, what they're doing, and and I have confidence that um, whatever moves they make, including letting players go, it will be for a reason that has to do with either on the field pro- productivity uh, or um, shape or just um, you know overall team whatever. You know, you know, I think the team gets a little bit younger. I think that we'll see um, position-based moves based on who leaves. If Nocherino leaves, they'll right. bring in a defensive midfielder uh, to, to take care of him. Or they'll move Yoshi back and and uh, bring in somebody more offensive-minded. It's it's really kind of hard to say. I do think we'll see at least one signing who has played for Jason Christ before. I don't know who that'll be, but, you know, he's... He's, you know, in some ways he got the band back together. Or he's trying to get the band back together. I, I, he's... I, He's not one to shy away from from going after former players. So I, I think that if somebody becomes available, and I don't know who that would be right now, uh, that might be uh, an opportunity for Jason to make a move there. Okay, so you were going to get hate mail earlier. I have a, a move that's not going to happen that's going to get hate mail for me. All right. You're not going to say Beckerman, are you? No. Oh. Here, Here is what is not going to happen. Adrian Venter is not coming back to the <laughs> Lions. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I will get hate mail for that. I know it's 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 really amazing to me how how a guy who scored five goals for us has become this legend. It's really it's almost like on our on our site there's some of the commenters have like started to take it over the top, which it's all a tongue in cheek. A lot of it is, but there are some people out there that are just clamoring for an Adrian Vinter. And listen, don't get me wrong. I uh, loved Adrian. Oh, he I did too. Spark plug. He was fantastic. He was passionate. Heck, yeah. he still tweets about Orlando City. I love the guy. But he's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not happening. But I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hate it for sure. I, but, I, uh, no, I, I, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't hate it. So yeah. you know, here's here's what's going to happen. When we say uh, we're not going to hate it, there's one guy out there doing the uh, the Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but you know, it's it it is. It's funny to me how how uh, how he's become this this legendary figure in our past because uh, essentially because of a goal against Real Salt Lake. Uh, but. But, you know, yeah, I think that was, it was a fantastic goal. Yeah, it was a great goal. All right. So uh, thanks, Chris. And thanks to everybody who uh, who hit us up on uh, Ask the Mainland podcast. Again, you can uh, tweet us at the mainland using hashtag AskTMLPC, or you can write to us themainland at gmail.com. Thanks so much for your mailbag questions. Uh, Dave, we got to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Orlando City against the crew before we get out of here. 
Uh, I need your key matchups. I need your scoreline prediction, and uh, I need it now. Oh, dang, now. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> so, wow, we're under pressure here. Yeah. Um, okay, so key matchup. Um, key matchup is going to be uh, scoring. Like you just mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago, um, best way to not lose the game in the end is to score goals. And I'm going to say that that's what has to happen. Now, I'm going to include the upper part of the midfield in this because obviously that's been a problem this year is getting balls in. I think that Yoshi um, is going to help with that. Uh, I think Dom being back, I think Dom is going to be very, very, very motivated to score uh, in his first game into the stadium. And um, I, th- I think Kyle is uh, not wanting to get, you know, upped by Dom. So, um, I, so scoring goals. This is a must-win for me for the team back at home, uh, Eastern Conference uh, game. And I'm going to say 2-1 Orlando City wins just because they have to. And they had a good game last game. And it just didn't show on the scoreboard. All right. Uh, my key matchup will be Scott Sutter against Justin Miram. Uh, Justin Miram scares the living crap out of me because he just absolutely destroys us. And um, Scott Sutter is going to have his hands full uh, with the uh, Iranian-American uh, international. I think that um, Justin Miram has, has tortured us. Uh, he tortured us in the, the first meeting. And uh, he's he's a guy that bears a lot of watching. Um, so for me, that's the key matchup. Can Scott Sutter stay home, and uh, can he get enough help from uh, Tommy to uh, to keep Justin Miram quiet? At the same time, you're going to need the defensive midfield to keep uh, Iguain from feeding uh, you know that that new winger from Por- uh, Portugal, uh, that new DP that uh, Columbus brought in, and. Um, name escapes me right now sorry folks it's been a long day and uh that's going to be uh just a key matchup for me all all along the back against those three players uh for columbus and i definitely kamara is another guy he's a real sneaky uh guy he makes very smart runs and he's got guys around him that are very good at reading those runs and anticipating those runs so back line really has to be on its uh, on its toes and uh but especially sutter against miram uh, that's where most of the danger is from my mind. Um, my prediction, I, I'm going to get hate, but I don't care. I cannot pick this Orlando City team to win until it wins again. So I am picking 2-1 Columbus, and uh, I'm not not in favor of that uh, final score. I would much rather it be like 5-0 uh, to Orlando. <laughs> uh, I just am uh, telling you what I think is uh, has been the trend, and the trend is still no Jonathan Spector. Uh, we think we're pretty sure Dom's going to be back, um, but we at this point we don't have a guarantee of that, and uh, we still are uh, acclimating some new players. And there's no Kaká this weekend, so I um, do want to point out that between the two of us, we basically said that the key matchups are the entire field. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we did. But I actually picked a very specific one-on-one matchup, so you got to give me that. All right, fine. <laughs> Miram Sutter, you watch that one. That's one to watch for me. Uh, all right, Dave. So I think we've done about as much damage as we can do uh, for one show. Uh, episode 99 has run its course here on the Mainland Podcast. We definitely want to thank Austin Martz once again uh, for stopping by uh, the night before a game in the middle of an airport pickup and while getting coffee 
so that's uh, that's a pretty uh, good night of, uh, of multitasking for Austin Martz. Good job. Uh, thanks to Lucas uh, Costas for uh, setting that up. Lucas from the uh, Orlando City Communications staff does a bang-up job. And uh, also, um, you know, I want to make sure that everybody... Oh, you know what I wanted to do, Dave? What? I can't believe I didn't do it, but I got I, I did say that we want to uh, read our any anybody leaves us nice feedback on iTunes, we should read that. Oh right, yes. So I need to uh, to find that, but I definitely want to remind people that what I would like them to do is to uh, to go to iTunes and, and leave us their star rating and maybe a, a review because that's how we move up in the in the rankings and get more listeners. And I would also like to ask people to read our stuff at themainland.com because guys work really hard. And I don't care if you read that Deadspin story this week or not. Nobody getting paid. Ain't nobody getting paid. <laughs> yeah. And I ain't making no $600 stipend here uh, to run this site. So uh, you can just put nope. that out of your mind right now. The people that they talked to clearly were not MLS bloggers. That was um, NFL. Yeah, it must have been NFL or NBA because it definitely wasn't us. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, nobody getting paid. So uh, Yeah, no, uh, we, we I people will ask me all the time. They're like, Oh wow! So what do you get for that? I'm like uh, the satisfaction of doing it. Right. These guys work hard. I mean, they they really do, and they don't. They, they the satisfaction they get is you read their stuff, which is great, and uh, that's what I would like to see. Um, I would like to see uh, people read their stuff because it, it's worth it's worth it. I think I think and I'm, I'm I'm biased obviously. Well, and so um, I'm biased. So I mean, there's not going to get any non-biased opinion here on this. <laughs> so what also I would like you to do is I would like you to uh, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/TheMainland. Uh, I would like you to uh, follow us on Twitter. That'd be good too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know it, that that pretty much uh, takes care of everything. So now let's see if we can get some. Uh, like, like, like. Let's see if we can get a somebody, uh, somebody's review of our uh, of our site here. Or, Bring it on. Our... <clears throat> All right. Let's see. <clears throat> uh, I'm really, I'm really bad at this. I'm really bad at this stuff here. With the with the internet. No. Yeah. Well, I'm bad at the multitasking. We're trying to find something in the middle of our conversation. Well, you should have just let me know that I had to talk a bunch. Well, and so you know what I'll <laughs> say is is hey guys. Like Michael said, uh, he doesn't make that much money. Um, we had a whole conversation on the uh, our internal stuff about this. As a matter of fact, somebody was like, "Whoa, Michael makes that makes that much money." I was like, "No, come on, obviously it doesn't because, you know, let's face it." Uh, but yeah, yeah um, it's we honestly do do this because, and I actually meant to mention this early in the podcast when you know people hear us being realistic about stuff um it's because we're trying to be professional even though we're not paid um but it doesn't mean that when we're watching the game that we're not sitting there cursing up a storm you know when something happens or you know yelling at the refs or whatever else of course we are oh my gosh we are supporters first and then while we're watching the game and then we have to make this mental switch where we go okay now i have to go and be objective about what happened um that's why i like five takeaways because i don't have to be completely objective i can actually just put out there what i felt a little bit um and uh for those of you don't know obviously michael is our uh editor uh in chief and he does a fantastic job and he does more work than any of you will ever know um 
the amount of uh, time that he spends uh, is probably equivalent to a full-time job on this, and he does not make $600 a month on it. So, um, no, not even close. So, uh, and I'm not begging for, I'm not begging for, uh, you know, uh, accolades for him or anything, but, uh, um, you know, if you do enjoy reading the stuff and hopefully you enjoy, if you're listening to this, hopefully you enjoy listening to uh, the two of us ramble on like idiots. Um, you know, let us know in the comments, not only on the website, but, uh, on the iTunes and, and everywhere else you said, because there's nothing better for us as writers and contributors than getting feedback. It's All right. best. Yes. Yes. It's, it, we, we enjoy doing this and we would love to get more feedback from you and, and hear what you'd, what you'd like to hear more of and what you'd like to hear less of. Um, by the way, Dave, our, our star rating average is four and a half. Woo. So, and that's wait, because wait. I, I think a couple of jokers gave us a one, and then wait, everybody wait. else everybody else has been a five. Okay, so it's out of five. Yeah, four and a half out of five. Okay, and like I sure. said, probably just a couple haters out there, but everybody else has give, been giving us fives. Uh, this one comes from Qwerty Type One. This customer review is five star review. Uh, Qwerty Type One says this is the best podcast out there. If you're an Orlando City SC fan, be sure to listen before every, the game every weekend. So thank you, thank you. That's wow, very nice. Awesome. Very nice. So, uh, really enjoyed that, and we'll we'll start doing that. So, if you leave us if you leave us a five star review and uh, and and you know say Make a something, comment. don't don't just don't just leave the five stars and then then go away. You have to actually write something and leave a review. Uh, we will we'll read it on the air. How about that? Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Well, that'll do it for episode number ninety nine. Uh, again, thanks to Austin Martz. I think I've thanked him about five times now. Uh, but It was worth we, it. We can't thank him enough. He was a really great guest. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, to uh, discuss Orlando City versus Columbus Crew SC and hopefully how wrong I ended up being uh, and how Justin Miram was absolutely no match for Scott Sutter uh, whatsoever. And, uh, you know, that would be really nice. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. But, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week for episode number 100. That's uh, ho- hopefully going to be co- – I'd hope to have some, some guest news early. I did not have confirmation, so uh, I can't uh, say who's going to be on because I really am not 100% sure. Uh, but we're hoping for some pretty big names, and we're going to continue to try to nail that down here in the next few days. But thanks again uh, to Lucas for setting up the interview. Thank you guys for listening. And, uh, of course, uh, thanks to my, my co-host Dave Rowe for, uh, for doing his uh, usual bang-up job. We'll be back next week. On behalf of Dave Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off episode number 99 of The Mainland Podcast by saying, Go City!